Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to What A Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. As we've got a little bit of time before we take on Wickham in the FA Cup, we thought we'd give you guys a little bit of an opportunity to chuck your questions into our four masterminds on the panel. So to begin, I'm going to intro you guys one by one. And can you please tell me your specialist subject? (laughs) Sean Walsh, specialist subject please. Eric Lamella's whereabouts. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you two years ago, mate? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I know where he was. <laughs> Jude Summerfield? Uh, I'm uh, your David Ornstein. I'm the transfers guy today. Ah, <laughs> oh, fair enough. You're the insider. Hunter Apparently. Godson? Um, Moussa Dembele's turning circle. <laughs> Superb. And Dan Kilpatrick? Well, I feel like Sean's next mine. <laughs> Sean and you I think I've got a campaign against you or something. <laughs> and we, well, we we should say that we did once do a quiz where our specialist subject was Lamella, and we cleaned up. We, we, we were team. really. Oh. What do you what yeah, do you mean we, we? I carried you two years in a row. <laughs> it was a team effort. Two years in a row. <laughs> two years in a row. <laughs> this is clearly still a touchy subject. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, not not for you. Us, I, I consider us a partnership. <laughs> <laughs> It's out there if people want to listen to it. They can judge for themselves. The Tottenham Way Christmas quiz, the last two years, Sean and I clean up both times. Lincoln and yes, bio. Sean did carry me. But I will have to go for... <laughs> I'll go for the life and times of Mauricio Pochettino. Oh, Fabulous stuff. No no specialists on Endon Bele, so we'll maybe want to put a pin in for next year. Mm. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to go through your questions that you guys submitted via the oh what a night twitter handle i should just say if you're not already following oh what a night on twitter do go and make sure you check it out because we put loads of clips in there that you can enjoy and comment on and basically get your either sledging abuse or <laughs> praise into us via that medium um so we've had some wicked questions in which has been which has been great and i've really really enjoyed i'm sure you guys have just enjoyed getting the notifications and looking through some of the stuff that's come through Mm. Yeah, it's always a bit of a nervous moment when you put out a Q&A on Twitter. Because it, 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 they can go, they just can go dry. I've seen it on big accounts before. I've seen it on you know, small accounts, you know, where it's just like, we, we want your questions, get your questions in. And people are just going, like, ratioed. Zero comment, oh, ratioed. God, yeah. Don Robbie ratio. coming in, ratioed. So Check funny. out this ratio. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah, which nice is not, uh, I mean, you know, it's par for the course on Twitter. But it's good. Yeah, no, they're really well thought questions and, and ones that I think we all think about quite a lot to be honest Should we start with a quite easy one I say it's easy but one that just I feel like we can all get our teeth stuck into um, and it was what would represent a good season would getting top four be satisfactory and that's from Reese Minister so I mean have a little think and then I'm going to put someone very much on the spot I'll just pick at random <laughs> 
I'll man- manipulate my zoom window and see who comes to the top. Sean, sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about what? this one, actually, because I know a lot of people, like, going into the season, it was just a lot of a trophy or bust. But I do think now we've got to one final. I think we're going to go quite far in the other cups anyway. Um, and I think you look at how weird the season's been. No, It's going in like little like fits and spurts. Like, it wasn't... It was hardly over a month ago that we were favourites, we were top of the league, and now all of a sudden we're fifth, and it's looking like a real kind of battle. And then since then, Liverpool were favourites again, and then United were favourites, and now City are favourites. And I think if we can manage to, yeah, just get into top four, I think that would be successful, especially considering it's it's just been such a weird season. And I think just to get top four out of that, I know, I know Levy will be happy about that. So I'm sure that's how the club would view it as well. We're making some kind of progress again. It's on the right track. If if we don't get top four or win a cup, then it's a bit stag- stagnating a bit, aren't we? We need top four on this podcast for our song to be relevant. Like we're <laughs> desperate for it. We, we've got to get top four. You say you say that. Did you, did you not see that when the so for the draw for the round of thirty two for the Europa League because us and Arsenal are home on the same mm-hmm. leg. Our match got moved to the Wednesday. Get <laughs> so in. We can, we can bring it back for one round. <laughs> We're relevant for one week. Fantastic. That's it. That's amazing. <laughs> Jude, have you, have you um, levelled out a little bit in terms of your expectation of what would be a good season? Because um, it was heady days for a bit, wasn't it, when we were sitting at the top of the tree? Mm, there was a there was definitely a conversation where we were going. Yeah, it's not joint top. We're top, right? <laughs> <laughs> we were bringing that out a lot in like the two weeks. But do you um, reckon we needed it a bit too much? I, yeah, I think I think we just had to enjoy it a little bit at the time. I mean, these are dark days we're living in, aren't they? So just get your fill of them. Um, no, I, I'd say I, I agree pretty much totally with Sean there. I think if we can come out of it somewhat unscathed this season, I mean, with Champions League. Um, secured at the end that is going I think that would represent a, a decent season my, pro- my problem is I, I look at the games that we've slipped up in and I just think that those were chances there and it could have been a lot better and we could have been in, in, a, in a totally different position to the one we are in now um, you know just my mind just tops up these points and then adds them oh, and God. then suddenly we're like, <laughs> which isn't yeah. good because you know what's happened's happened but just hold grudges but yeah, I think I think top four, and if we did win the Carabao, that's one one thing scratched off our back, isn't it? Because it's been so long, it's been so long without a trophy. Does that almost nice. transcend the top four thing, Hunter? For you? Uh, no, not at all. No messing about. I know, I know, a lot of Spurs fans are now really desperate to win a trophy. I am also desperate to win a trophy, but like just in a, I'm going to be really boring and put it into sort of common sense. What what Tottenham need as a club, especially at the moment when everyone's struggling financially, is to get back into the top four and get Champions League football and get a good flow of money going back to the club. Carabao Cup is great in terms of it, it, it's fun and we when we win a cup and you know all that chat. You know we haven't won a cup in thirteen years, but really, what's what's better for the football club is top four, and that has to be the. The sort of aim, and I think I'd, I'd, if you had, you know, I'd love to win the Europa League as well. As well, that's the other one I'd really, really like to sort of go quite far in. Um, just because, again, it's just it's just that thing of it's a, it's a higher level. It's testing Tottenham in those competitions where I think we should be. And don't turn it. You know, we've gone through the bit where you can sort of turn your nose up at it. Now we've gone through the, the group stage where there are some questionable draws and we have managed to get the only team in the competition that most people won't have heard of before <laughs> but, <laughs> but we're there now so I think I think we should be doing everything in our power to win it I think Mourinho will to be honest okay Dan now you've had the chance to kind of survey the land you should be in the best possible position <laughs> yeah well everyone's made most of the points I wanted to make I do think with this question it comes down to a distinction between what the club would prefer and what fans would prefer and I think obviously Levy would probably prefer top four if it was a straight choice because two years of no Champions League football on top of Covid really screws with the business model and that's a big problem. I think for supporters probably on balance the majority would prefer to win a trophy. I also think there's a kind of question of Mourinho here and the kind of reason he was appointed right was to win a trophy. 
with Mourinho, there's always a trade-off. Like, you know, as we found out in the last few months, you're not always going to get spectacular football. It's not going to be necessarily great to watch, but you accept that because he guarantees silverware. So if at the end of the season, Spurs haven't won the thing and it's been a kind of year of, of quite tough to watch kind of football without the ball, then I think that will be maybe quite difficult to stomach, even if Spurs are in, in the top four. Obviously, it, it will still be early days in his reign, comparatively. But I, I kind of think, you know, Mourinho doesn't need to deliver one because I think that's too strong. But that's sort of the bargain, right? That's the the, the sort of Faustian pact you make when you appoint yeah. Mourinho. You know, you, you, you put up with, um, you know, his style, but you expect to be rewarded. So... I think that that has to be taken into consideration, but I, I think there's this distinction between kind of the club's desire and the, the fans' desire still. Yeah, there's a there's something very existential in there, isn't there, about what what actually makes football important to you and and what you what your beliefs are alongside a, a question around the business model, which is obviously at the moment massively massively critical. I'd want to move on to. Another question that's closely linked. It says, do you believe that we will win something this season? And if we don't, do you uh, believe Jose Mourinho should get the sack? PS, love the podcast, guys. Get in, Harry Dude, 9911. Who sent that one in? Cheers, mate. Um, so, I mean, that's a very punchy question. Uh, and I'm, personally, I don't really like talking about, like, do you think managers should get the sack? So maybe I might just amend it a tiny bit. It, it, it's more a question of do you think that he he will um, get the sack? So I'll, I'll kind of open it up to whoever wants to grab that one first. No, is that, I don't think he will get the sack if, if he doesn't win anything. I think that they know that they're in for a, a few years, at, at least, a couple of years at least. Um, we're now, what, a, just over a year into, well, year and a half into the Jose reign. This is the first full season. Um, so I think I think if he doesn't win anything this year, no, I don't think he'll be moved on. And I don't think he... I'll be honest, I don't think he should be moved on if he doesn't win anything this year. Um, it, te- it tends to take a while for things to sort of happen with football managers and, and unless it goes horribly wrong in the next sort of... in the next six months, then yeah, he doesn't deserve to be biffed. Do I think we'll win anything this season? Which I think was the first bit of that question. Um... I think years of not winning has made my gut That's say no, <laughs> especially especially with Man City. Sort of, uh, you know, it's still early days, but they have sort of found a way to win again, and it, it sort of it, it scares me a little bit. I, we all sort of said, well, if City can put five or six results together, City might be there right at the end, and it looks like it's happening now. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I'm not. I'm not confident but that's years of being beaten down Harry rather than I don't believe in the team <laughs> I think I think what you said there Hunter that's part of the problem isn't it like we literally just can't visualize us winning the trophy because it has been so long like you look at pretty much every other big six club they've kind of almost slept walked to a trophy in recent years like multiple trophies it's easier for them to envisage a season where it could be a bit bad but are we win a trophy that kind of it's like polishing a turd a bit but still but we've never been in that situation and yeah, I don't think Mourinho is going to go either. I think if you look, remember the the documentary, the kind of admiration, the like the awe that Levy had for Mourinho, he's not going to give up. I think there'd have to be something go spectacularly wrong between now and the end of the season. Like I think Mourinho would have to commit a crime or something to, <laughs> for his position to be don't rule it out in doubt. Because there, there was a point last season, I think it was after the Sheffield United game, where I think a lot of the the majority of the fan base had kind of turned. It was like where are we going but even then there was no there was nothing coming out about his job being at risk or anything like that it's never been at that point I don't think it's going to be at that point unless we're staring at, at like five points clear of the relegation zone or something like that um, it's, it's, it's just about <laughs> writing it out and seeing what happens that's the scary part of, it, of not having that visualisation isn't it <laughs> I kind of think we will win the League Cup what about you Jude? My, my heart says yeah my brain, my brain, not so much. Um, I, I mean, I really, I really, really hope so. Obviously, and um, we've seen them beat City already this season. It's just like even John Stones is scoring goals now. 
I mean, I know they've not got Aguero. It's and annoying, isn't it? Jesus. They're coming yeah, into form but... at this point. I know. I mean, it is still all the way back in April, the final. So there's yeah. enough time for the wheels to come off for both teams. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that one would be nice. In terms of Mourinho, he's going to be given every possible chance to make it work at Spurs. And like, he's still not, he's not got his, like, his desired centre-backs that he wants yet. He, he's talked about that a lot, about you know individual quality. And you know that's why we, we drew against Fulham and, and stuff like that. So he's going to be given like, a lot of plenty of players to go through and I mean it's it's ultimately not sustainable is it having Mourinho as a manager we've seen that over the years <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> I just mean Hunter I don't know if you've if you've uh, if you've seen this anywhere I don't know if it's a big scoop but um he seems to only last like three or four years in each in each role Jude's have you guys <laughs> done some digging around Mourinho I've done a little bit us. of digging and found done that. a deep dive <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so I mean we're in for that in for that amount of time anyway but yeah levy loves him so i don't think it's going to happen if we don't win anything this year and it shouldn't really i'm going to chuck the next question to dan because you're the only person in this call that has been singled out by jose Mourinho as a potential tottenham head coach (laughs) (laughs) you're the manager how would you set up our team formation personnel tactics and that was from friend of the show windy coise (laughs) come on windy get in um, say the line bart (laughs) (laughs) so i'm the manager so how would i Pick the team and set them up, and what would my tactics Team, be? formation, personnel. Well, that was literally what Jose said to me. He said, what would you do if you were, if you were the manager, my friend? And I said, sadly, I'm not the manager yet. <laughs> Very good. Well, I mean, who am I to, you know, I'll answer, but with the usual caveats of, you know, who the hell am I to to, to doubt the great Jose Damn Jose-Mino. bloody Kilpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got, I don't, I don't have a, a huge problem with, with with Mourinho's selection this season at all. I mean, I'd like to see more of Delhi. I think you know that, that's made that obvious on this podcast and, and elsewhere before. I think he's a goal scorer, and it's a shame when there are so few goal scorers beyond Kane and Son to sideline one. Uh, and then I think you know, in terms of his selection, it's, it's been fine but I'd like to see Spurs more progressive and on the front foot uh, I'd like to see them go for the jugular a bit more and play to the strength of the team I don't think you know it's it's a good approach to rely on Dyer and Sanchez and Alderville to stay strong than it is to, to try and kind of outscore people through Kane and Son and Dombele and, and Bergwijn and co so yeah, I, th- I think Mourinho's doing doing a, a reasonably good job, and this season's so volatile, as Sean said, it can change in a in a matter of weeks. But I think the key to just getting more out of this season is is to be a bit more adventurous. I mean, we, we, we've we've seen it in kind of other results. You know, you you go and you draw a Fulham after not being particularly adventurous, and then you know you see kind of Man United attack them and, and, and win the game, for example. And you know, we're seeing lots of little examples like that. You know, Chelsea, arguably, did, did, did Spurs just show Chelsea far too much respect back in November when they spent the whole second half kind of camped on the edge of their area? And since then, Chelsea have looked so, so vulnerable mm. to teams that kind of have a go at them and have a clear approach. Um, so, yeah, in terms of how I would do it, um, I think can't question the, the the selection but more adventurous in the tactics yeah that's pretty spot on i'd say i think we all we're all going to be in in agreement here because of what's happened in the in the second half of games with the and 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 how we tend to play in the first half of games and how we tend to get early goals it's it's impossible not to say if we maybe just were slightly more progressive in the second half of games uh, we could we could win games quite comfortably. Um, I, what I what I do like, which happened recently, is that Ndombele is now receiving the ball deeper, which is something we'd all said we wanted to see. Um, uh, he's getting on the ball a lot more in in deeper spaces, which I think leads to us being a bit being better as a team generally. And also in the especially in the formation we played at the weekend, it really freed Regulon, who is clearly one of our best players. 
uh, outside of the sort of, I guess you call them the, the big three now, <laughs> big four maybe, Son, <laughs> Kane, uh, Ndombele and Hoybier. And then Regulon is really doing his part. I mean, and it, and it allows Sergio Aurier to sort of do more attacking than defending, which is probably where he's more comfortable. So, yeah. Hunter, I wanted to chuck a follow-up to you on that one because mm-hmm. Keith and Chase said, the formation we used against Sheffield United, in my opinion, looked like it could get the best out of our team. Do you think we should use the same moving forward or a different one? Yeah, I think there's definitely an argument for playing when we're playing teams like Sheffield United that that's the formation um, because it it basically allows Hoybier and Undombele to 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 work as a two. It, it doesn't. It almost takes that. You know, we have, Sissoko against Fulham. I think is the example where you just have this sort of roaming other player who doesn't really he doesn't really attack he does a bit of defensive work in this system everyone seemed to know exactly what they were working towards and and it freed up as i said Orion Regulon to be further up the pitch and put balls into the area it gave Kane Son and um, uh Stevie were were brilliant you know further up the pitch I think it's a formation that can work for us, but I, do, I don't think it's. A, I have to say, with formations, I'm not a believer in one size fits all. Um, but, but I do think against teams like Sheffield United, that's going to be really help, really good for us. Did anyone have any uh, raise on uh, team lineup? Is is sort of fairly strong? For go on, Sean. What have you got? Um, I was thinking that because I wasn't a fan of going to the three slash five at the back for Sheffield United game but I think I was wrong it worked out a lot better than I thought uh, but it didn't make me realise um, I, I think Bergwijn had a really good game and I think he's starting to enjoy some form again but someone who's had real success playing in that kind of front three and a three four three in the past is Delhi. so I just thought it would have made sense to tr- try and bring him back in, in that follow if Mourinho is not willing to play him as like a out and out number ten but I, I'm, I'm losing hope with that every day. <laughs> well, maybe it's time for Jude to... Jude, you've got some news on that, right? We've got news today um, <laughs> on <laughs> Delhi. Yeah. Do you want to do the theme tune real quick? It's not copyright. Welcome to Jude's <laughs> Transfer Tavern. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Breaking news at 10 to 6. Well, we have time. It's <laughs> our breaking news. Um, <laughs> no, um, we, we ran an exclude earlier today, which... Um, Basically said, Delhi has asked our chairman Daniel Levy not to block a move to PSG. Um, there's still um, worry over, you know, Spurs don't want him gone permanently, but Delhi needs games, and PSG want an option to buy in any loan deal. They'd want it to be more eighteen months, um, but Spurs and Daniel Levy in particular aren't keen on letting him go. Permanently, um, and PSG won that. Enormous value, hasn't he, Jude? Yeah, like, that's when you the actually big, think yeah. about his his market value, maybe not right now, but six months of playing well, and suddenly you've got like a 50, 60, 70 billion pound player again. Yeah, even even like World Cup two thousand eighteen, he's he was scoring goals there, and he would have been worth millions. But um, I think Levy still, we know that he really rates him highly. Still um, believes there's a player there, but Mourinho is more of the opinion that. It's an attitude problem at the moment, and a loan might be decent. But that's our information on that one. Thanks for that. That's all right. I want to gauge from, from you guys, obviously. Would would you like to see Delhi? Oh, say he gets the same amount of game time he's getting now. Would you like to see him go out on loan? And that's a question from me to you guys. Do, what, as in he wouldn't play, him. but he would go on loan. He's getting somewhere. the same amount of game time he's getting now. So, so we we can see the future somehow, and we see that he gets the same amount of game time he's got in the first half of the season. Would you say now, yes, he should go out on loan? To Great question. PSG. Great question. Yeah. That I think yeah. that's a no-brainer, right? Because he's barely playing at the moment. I mean, yeah. the Europa League group stage is over, so. Mourinho's probably going to play more of a kind of Premier League slash latter round of the League Cup hybrid team in the Europa League as in he'll keep the spine but he'll rotate around it so if that's the case if we can see the future and Delhi's going to keep having kind of five minute cameos or 
or maybe the odd kind of 20 minutes, then, then there's no point in them being at Spurs. I think the, the thinking at Spurs is that this season's so unpredictable. Mm. You know, let, let's face it, any club can get a COVID outbreak at any point. You know, you, you can lose, quite easily lose between kind of five and 10 players and, and still have to play, particularly given the, the kind of position Mourinho's taken on that. So there, there might come a point in the future in the second half of the season where there's a scenario where there's three games in a week and Spurs kind of desperately need Delhi to start all three, you know, mm. be that because of COVID or be that because of injuries. And and their calculation is that, he, yeah, he needs to play, yeah, he wants to go, but can they afford to lose him and, and will they be able to bring in someone as a replacement who's at the same level? And I think they, they rightly think... No, they won't be able to. Mm. It's January. You just can't find many players of that quality on loan or permanently. So I totally get both sides of this. Um, but I think if, if we knew he wasn't going to play much, then it would kind of make sense for all parties to let him go to PSG and see if he could rediscover a bit of form and, and see if he could come back in the summer. But, I mean, you, you kind of feel with Mourinho that it's maybe not an exclusively a, a kind of football and, and form thing. Mm. Um, mm. So, you know, we'll... Yeah. Will the issues he has with Delhi be resolved, even if he smashes it in Liga for six months? Who knows? I, I have a worry on the other side. I worry that if he, you, the the way you framed the question, Hunter, I thought it was really interesting, right? Because if he goes to PSG and then plays the same amount that he's playing at Spurs, the thing that worries me is that you then have another team on your record where you supposedly didn't cut it or. Mm your your attitude didn't quite work and that worries me a little bit that then Delhi starts getting linked with teams that for me are just completely beneath his level I, I'm such a Delhi fanboy I think Delhi's <laughs> ceiling is so high and I feel like his in in the the two seasons where we saw him at his very best when he won young player of the year for example that level it still exists you know he's still got that within him finding a pass in the final third and creating bits of magic i mean we saw it as, as little as a year ago against west ham it was yeah. or just over a year ago and he was phenomenal in that game he just had the bit between his teeth and i worry that if you go to another if you go to another fairly big side and it doesn't quite work out do people start to then add on that narrative around you oh well it didn't work at psg either you know, like maybe the, maybe he's just sort of plateaued to a point beyond recovery, which is just what you're saying is you can't bear to see him link with Everton in six months' time. <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't. Those are the th- the teams: Leicester, Everton, West Ham are the sort of teams that I can imagine that that you start to get those links. I'm like, no, not Delhi. He's too good for you all. I'd love to. I honestly would love to see him go to PSG and do really well for himself. Even I, if he didn't, though, would you love no, to see him go no, to PSG no, if he no, didn't God, play? No. I don't want. Well, you know, the sort of hype beast in me would like to see that just him out on the town with with Delhi and Paris, Mauro Cardi, him and Maurice Keane, and Tuba Moting's not there anymore, is he? Or did, no, is he no, still he's there? He's at Bayern now, no. I think. Yeah, he's at Bayern. Yeah, yeah, you know, the luckiest man in. Well, maybe if he can get Tuba Moting's agent on board, he can go anywhere. <laughs> <Fallen Yeah. laughs> but yeah, no, I, uh, I think. I actually think it would be a really good move for him. I'd really like to see it happen, but I totally understand why the club are sort of uh, are nervous not to, to stop it. So. Um, next question from Chris Dunn. And this one's going to, to to anyone who wants to jump on this one as well, because I don't think anyone's got particularly strong feelings. About how do you see our loan players fitting into the squad, if at all? What is the pathway for Sessegnon, Skip, Clark and Parrott? I think that's a really good question from Chris, particularly in light of the fact that some of those players are really performing whilst out on loan. I mean, Dan, I saw you shared yesterday Ollie Skip's gorgeous faded pass. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Tre- and by all accounts, I mean, fi- go on, Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll pick it up. I mean, I, th- I think they, they varying degrees of promise for all of them, but definitely promise for all of them. I, I can really genuinely see Skip coming back and playing a big part next season mm. I think there is a spot next to Hoiberg that's open because Mourinho seems to want to play Ndombele further forward which we'll probably come to later in the pod so that there's a position there and neither Sissoko and Wings have really nailed it down and they've both got their limitations and so Skip I think will come back and, and has a real chance of being 
a regular next season. Sessegnon, you think, could come back and take that spot from Ben Davis, that kind of backup left back spot, or or God forbid, if Real Madrid come calling and Regulon back, then you know maybe there's the the kind of attacking left back first spot from there. Parrot, I think it'll be a bit harder because he's a bit younger and. I think Mourinho's got concerns about his attitude and he hasn't really set the world on fire at Millwall. He's albeit he's been playing a kind of wide role. And then Clark, I think, has impressed Mourinho in training and isn't actually that far away from being a squad player. I think he was kind of on the cusp of being on the cusp, if that makes sense. <laughs> and you think, you know, Lucas, uh Lamella, you know, you know, one of them might go and then is there a chance from there? So I think that, that with the caveat that Mourinho is the manager, you know, and he doesn't tend to give these players full trust quickly. I think with, with that caveat, there, there should be a lot of optimism for all of them. Okay, you've mentioned Ndombele. I feel like we've got to get into his section now because we have some brilliant questions on him. So firstly, Hunter, I'm going to try and break you now from Minty Blow. <laughs> Who would win in a midfield battle between Tanga and Dombele or Moussa Dembele? <laughs> Moussa Dembele wouldn't... Uh, for me at the moment. But, you know, I think I'm blind this fight. But for me, he, he, it's it's just how powerful he was as a player. Like, it, I think you, what sort of always gave it away with Moussa Dembele was those, was those interviews where they were asking all the Tottenham players, you know, brilliant Tottenham players, who's the best player at Tottenham? And it was it, there was never even... A different answer to Moussa Dembele. It was always Moussa Dembele, and it wasn't just because he was good going forward or good with the ball, but he was so good at getting back and protecting the defence. And I think one of the things that really underlines Moussa Dembele for me is that you know when him and Ranyama were in that midfield, that was the best midfield in the Premier League at that point, when those two were dominating midfields with the with the high press from Poch. It was honestly. Poetry in motion. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. There's some depressed looks. Now I can tell you on our Zoom. But, um, and then you moved Eric Dyer in there, you know, because of injuries and, and whatnot. And and Moussa Dembele made Eric Dyer look like a very good central midfielder for a bit. And that, from you know, it, he he was levels above for me. At the moment, Tango Dembele is a fantastic midfielder. He's a very different player. He's more creative. He's better. He's a better dribbler. But... I think if you said who would win in a midfield battle between the two, Moussa Dembele eight eight midfields. I remember him eating Paul Pogba alive in a two 0 win over Manchester United. Like the guy is just was just on a different level. So this is a, this is Dembele's stats from the fifteen sixteen season. So the Leicester title challenging season. Defensively, um, he he was faced with one hundred seventeen duels. So one hundred seventeen people. Um, there was one hundred seventeen instances where someone tried to duel past him. Only thirteen times. Was he dribble pass or did he make a foul? 104 times he got the ball. Attempted 90 dribbles, completed 83 of them. So 92% wow, success it? rate. Honestly. I don't I don't think for anyone with that volume of dribbling, I don't think that you're going to find better stats than that in the Prem, ever. I love him. Come on, Dan, let's have it. Where do you sit on it? Well, I think that it's really interesting because with Dembele, there were all these managers including Pochettino that kept wanting to push him into the final third and kept wanting to play him high up the pitch because they thought he's such a good dribbler he's so good at being his man but he kind of had these flaws baked into his game right from some said from childhood like because he was so good at street football he never was allowed to shoot when he was a kid like that was one of the, the stories that went around about Dembele but whatever it was, he had these flaws baked into his game and he wasn't that effective in the final third. He just didn't pull the trigger and, and play to his strengths that often. So it meant he never really scored that many goals and, and eventually Pochettino kind of realised that he had to play deeper, use his skill set to kind of break the press and, and dribble past people in his own half. And then Poch kind of famously lamented, didn't he, that he wished he'd got hold of Dembele when he was 19 so he could have basically taught him how to maximise his skills and be more effective in the final third. And I think it's really interesting because we're kind of seeing Mourinho almost play out that same dilemma with Ndombele at the moment. Like, he's got this guy who's a bit younger, who's a bit more raw than, than Dembele was. And he, he initially thought about playing him really deep last season. I think his, his only 90 minutes, or his last 90 minutes in the Premier League before 
uh, Fulham. Or was he playing 90 minutes against? His last 90 minutes in the Premier League before um, Sheffield United was Norwich when he played kind of in front of the back four. But now he's playing really high up the pitch and he's scoring goals. So you're, you're kind of seeing Mourinho almost do in real time what Poch wanted to do with, with Dembele, which is get him higher, use his skill set to be more effective at, at scoring goals and, and getting assists. And I think the way Ndombele surpasses Dembele as a player, and he, he should probably do this, is by chipping in kind of, you know, seven, eight, nine goals a season, which Dembele was never able to do. But Ndombele looks on course to be able to do, arguably because a, a kind of top manager's got his hands on him earlier. So I just think that's a, an interesting kind of dynamic there. Mm. So what you're saying is that Dembele is not as good as Ndombele and you're a complete fraud. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, exactly I agree. It. That summed it up perfectly. <laughs> I completely agree. I think, I think Ndombele probably does have a higher ceiling. I think there's one thing that come, I'll come back to on, on Dembele is that when, when he left, we sort of were left with a, oh God, was he the whole midfield? Was that all we were leaning on? And it did. I mean, it did feel like we we lost a, the spine, the last spine of the club, uh, club's midfield there, with Wanyama leaving as well, obviously. But his legs had gone a couple of years before. Um, Dan's absolutely right, though. I think I think Ndombele does have a higher ceiling. Uh, it, I think Jose is doing a fantastic job with him, and has done a fantastic job with him. It's probably it is the success story of the Jose Mourinho era so far. Um, so. Let's see. Let's hope we've got. Let's hope we've got another Musa Dembele. Jude, can I add an extension to that question? Um, Pablo at YMG Chip said, "Is Ndombele the best box-to-box midfielder in the Premier League?" Um, I mean, he's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> that's all anyone cares. And that's all anyone cares about. Um, <laughs> oh, it's a tough one. I think. I think there are players who have who have proved it a bit more in the last few years. I think Ndombele, if he keeps up this level, is going to be right up there in like the the top two. I think. Um, I know Genie Wijnaldum is sort of coming down a little bit now, but he's been brilliant for Liverpool over the last few years. Um, even someone like Ilkay Gundogan at Manchester City is really hitting form right now. Um, there are there are a lot of like Paul Pogba as well, he's doing it at the moment. So there's lots of players there. If Ndombele can really get those goals up as well, he's going to have a proper claim to it. Um, do you, I don't think it's he's outright best at the moment. I think there's a, you, there's a few that can claim it. Do you think he gets the heat around his transfer fee that others do? It's one of those weird things that kind of someone mentioned it to me the other day about his about how much he cost, and I sort of. I don't know. I, ju- I think I just buried it in my brain because I was just like, this guy's going to come good. This guy's going to come good. I sort of forgot about the fact that he was signed for unbelievably big money by Spurs' standards. Yeah, I think we're I, I think we're seeing it now, though. That's the thing. We're seeing that it's worth it. So I think before you could sort of take it a bit more to heart and, um, and get a bit more upset about it. Um, but if anyone brings it up now, it's just like, well watch a Spurs game you'll see the effect he has on the team and how he you know drifts past players and does weird things and gets Tottenham on the front foot and you'll see why he's he's worth that amount mm. yeah yeah I think Jude's spot on there you, you, you can only play <laughs> you can only play football and show what you've got right he is currently showing <laughs> football's a very simple game he's when you think about it yeah like it, I mean the numbers that get thrown around are all just sort of nonsense at the end of the day aren't they you, no one can justify being 90 million pounds 60 million pounds or, but he is a brilliant midfielder from from what we've seen this season it looks like Spurs have found themselves a really special midfielder I think that's more what you're paying for as a guy who's unique in his talents um, so yeah I, I, I don't think there's the, there's too much to sort of look into there in terms of is he the bo- best box to box midfielder in the Premier League he's probably not far off now to be honest but then there's also that horrible, awkward debate as what is a what is now a box-to-box midfielder, whereas it was like your four-four-twos with your Patrick Vieira's sort of swathing between the boxes. I think it's a little bit it's a little bit different now. The only, I suppose the only thing that we should uh, add as a little caveat here is that it was really really nice to see him in a two the other day. 
it was yeah. it, it mm. really really good fun seeing him in uh, in that role with Poi Bia. Um, just an extension on this question, which I think was really good fun. How many clones of you would it take to get the ball off of Tangai and Dombele? How many <laughs> members of the pod squad would be required to win it off him? <laughs> <laughs> Are we? Is it? A f- I guess we're not allowed to foul him. Because <laughs> I could wrestle him, I reckon. <laughs> I reckon there's a good chance that, like, if we got three of us and showed him down a sort of like, showed him down the line, one of us could probably win a throw in off him. I reckon it would look. I like reckon when... if it was us and every friend of the pod, <laughs> <laughs> it would be alright. Sort of windy hanging off his leg. Yeah, I was going to say, it would, I reckon it would look like toddlers sort of chasing after an adult with a football, where he's sort of dancing <laughs> around us and just flicking it over us, making us look like mugs. Doing the, yeah, doing the doing the seal, the sort of the seal run. The seal run, yeah, like, I mean, that's why I, I'd get nowhere near him. Ultimately, <laughs> if he did the seal thing, coming in at my sort of fairly slight height, uh, I, I, he could just do that and I'd just be jumping around like a child. Nah. A bloody pain ben, ben, I've seen you st- strut your stuff on the St Mary's turf. You know what you're doing. You'd be fine. Be absolutely <laughs> fine. We we played a game at Southampton. We, we ninety men were, were invited to play in a, a game at Southampton. I don't know why. I think we'd done some work with one of their partners, so they invited us all. And about seven of us got on a train down to Southampton and played in this eleven-a-side game at St Mary's, <laughs> and just took it really, really seriously. As if it meant everything. <laughs> so I got ridiculous. I got five minutes at centre mid. You were like, dude, do you want to move over to left back? And I was like, yeah, 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 that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Oh, 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 Wayne Bridges over there, is he? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, I should have put Wayne Bridges playing in this game, and it was really strange to see people that had never met him before calling for the ball and calling him Bridge, Bridgie. Bridgie, Bridgie. Bridget. Switch it, Bridgie. I don't know him well enough to call him Bridgie. Um, right, let's fly on. I do, uh, wait, do, do you know what we've been... many, we'd, wait. Oh, the clones. You want to answer how many clones? I want to to go round and say how many clones you think it One by one. (laughs) I reckon three of my clones, because I'm quite big, so we could just sort of attack I think two of yours. You reckon? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it, because you're quite good with your... Sorry, I'm not having that. This is a professional footballer we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Someone we absolutely adore. (laughs) And and Dombele, like, regularly... Wriggles away from Kante and Thiago Silva. You know, <laughs> it's not like two of Hunters is going to be fun. <laughs> you don't know what I've got, Daddy. <laughs> so Hunter is a good six-a-side player. We should point that out as well. Yeah, very much. Smaller he pitches. Would be fine against two of Hunters. <laughs> take way more. Than that. I love the level of the offence that you've taken to that. <laughs> so so angry. Come on. Okay, fine. Fine. That's Hunters amazing. are three. I was going to say 30 of me, so I'm going to go with 30. <laughs> You'd be like one of those games that they do like when Real Madrid goes and tours Asia in pre-season and they bring like, all these <laughs> all those, children, like, children yeah. onto the yeah. pitch. Just like a hundred of them. Cruz, yeah. Modric, Casemiro. Spurs, Spurs, Spurs did that. Yeah, they did. I was, yeah. I was there in Shanghai when Spurs did that. No way. Yeah, Spurs played 50 kids. It was three of them. It was Lamella and two others. And Lamella Wasn't it took Kane? it really seriously. <laughs> I think it was Kane. Yeah. I, I, I two flitting toddlers. I remember Lamella doing, really doing a lot of ball rolls. I was like, it's good to see that you just bring that to any level of football you play out there. Just like ball roll, ball it was, roll. It was also like the hottest day I've ever experienced like in real life. It was so hot that you, you, you basically couldn't be not in the shade. And so they had to cut this game down. It was supposed to be like... 20 minutes or 50 minutes to like three or four minutes because it was genuinely dangerous oh, and the man was still like making <laughs> the kids sprint after him <laughs> just, like, dribbling away just keeping the ball just switching it I was like come on that, that was the thing that really stood hard. out for me when I watched that because I remember I was on holiday when when the sort of content came out and I was I was amazed by how crap it must have been for those poor little children when Lamella looks up and does a 60-yard switch and these kids are about <laughs> two foot and they have to, it takes you about 20 minutes to run across the pitch. They're just <laughs> smashing these switch passes. Incredible. Did you, did you manage to get any game time, Dan? Get on with the kids and... Uh... No, I mean, I was. it was like so hot that I was sweating just like staying still, so I was quite pleased that I wasn't yeah. doing anything more active. They're so great fun, those tours, aren't they? Mm. Really good fun. Uh, Shawnee, how many do you reckon of you? 
not not enough. There will never be enough. I'm not strong enough to that. Like that. <laughs> will never you, be enough. <laughs> do you imagine it like that video game Streets of Rage, where you just keep coming out of nowhere and you just keep swatting you off? <laughs> just waves of me coming after me. It's yeah. not going to matter. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dan, what about you? You're a handy footballer. Yeah, I'm pretty confident the two of me would be absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking full of shit, Kilpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Right, okay, last one to finish up. Um, and this is from legendary hero at Viking SK. Says, ask Dan whose press briefings he enjoys more. Poch or Jose from SK? I have to say Jose, I think. As much as I love Poch and he could be really insightful in briefings, he could be really cryptic as well. Poch loved a kind of cryptic clue. He loved a reference to a cow and a train <laughs> or something. Or, 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 or a kind of big statement that that wasn't really explained properly or followed up about like you know the club changing his job title or something you know it was it was you were always reading between the lines a little bit more with Pochettino like he 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 used the media in a kind of power struggle with the club and and Levy at the time at times and I think Levy didn't pay it much attention to be honest he was quite used to Poch's kind of mood swings on that front whereas Mourinho is much more inclined to kind of give a straight answer in fact, sometimes he, he just can't resist giving a, a straight answer and, and kind of revealing how clever he is and how much he knows about something. So sometimes you, you notice he sometimes about... asks himself questions. Yeah, it's, it's great. You know, like, you know when you're sort of and he asked Dan to be the manager. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if you ever if you've ever written up a, a transcription of of, a, of an interview or something and done that journalistic trick where you put a question, you put your question in their quote at the front to to make it flow better. Mourinho will do that for you sometimes. <laughs> say, you know, would, I, would I say that we've not been a No, I wouldn't. You know, I'm That's really helpful. It's a very bread uh, Job done. Yeah, Damn. so I, you have to say Jose because he's, he's the master and he's, he's explosives. Um, and that's no slight on Pochettino. He's up against the best, that- I think. Dan, can you explain, because I can't remember off the top of my head what it actually meant. Can you explain what Poch meant by his cow quote a few years ago? Oh, it it was like the talk of the media room afterwards. We were all like, what do you mean by that? I, If I remember rightly, it was something about kind of the cow basically not learning the train timetable or something. A cow can stand, yeah, yeah, he's watching the train go by. But if he, if you ask him when, he, when it's going to come along tomorrow, he won't know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So it was like, you've got to learn from experience, basically. Just some and nonsense. The cow would, doesn't learn from experience. Dan, you'll be delighted here. I'm about, to, I'm, I'm about to quote back your own tweet to you. This is from 17th of September, 2018. Dan Kilpatrick, hashtag THFC. Poch has just had his Cantona Seagulls moment. The experience, is, <laughs> <laughs> the experience is like a cow who sees a train every day for 10 years crossing in front of her. And if you ask the cow when the train is coming, she's not going to answer. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so I think that's it. Like, that's experience, right? You've got to learn from the train to our horse. You've got to learn from the train. That's you got to learn from the train. So good. The train is very wise. What's he saying, Dan? You've got to learn from the train. The train life. Thomas, You've got to learn the train timetable. That's yeah, experience. Yeah. <laughs> So good. Um, did anyone else want to, just before we leave, did anyone else want to uh, give their take on who's more fun to listen to, Pochettino or, or Mourinho? Or who's better? Wow, that's, that is it, that's opinions then, though, isn't it? Because I don't really engage with the Jose stuff that much, to be quite honest with you. I don't really... I used to watch every uh, Poch press conference and I don't really watch the Jose ones. Well, that's um, a very good point. I used to do that actually. I used to find yeah. and listen to twenty five minutes at a time. Yeah, and that's I think that's more because I think with Jose, as Dan sort of touched on it, he can be very blunt, and 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 then at times you just feel like he's straight up just like trying to confuse the opposition. Uh, and with, with Poch, it was always slightly more conversational. But that's that, again, that's just a opinion. I, I we annoyed someone last week by saying by suggesting that Jose Mourinho might be lying. So he wasn't. Oh lying. God, Sean! You were upsetting <laughs> people last week, you maniac! 
That was our fault. Mm. Do you know what? There were there was two phases as well, Hunter. That's probably one point that we should reference. Is that definitely Pochettino the early years? He was a lot more vibrant. Mm. I can remember Dan. I don't know if you remember this. Well, after we saw the game Spurs Leicester, where Son was offside mm. by a armpit hair, and we walked to the train station after him. We were both like in a bit of a grump because, like, he just had, we'd gone to the post-match pressure and he just said nothing at all. Pochettino just yeah. kind, of, kind of sat there grumpy, moody, and just been like, yeah, rubbish. <laughs> yeah, he was like that t- toward the end. I mean, he was, the interesting thing about Poch was he started off and he was really poor. Like, he wasn't a great speaker. He wasn't kind of Emery-esque in his first season, but he wasn't too far off. And then actually when Spurs went up a level and got challenging for the title and pushed Leicester quite close, it was almost like he grew in confidence and he he kind of felt more assured of himself and just from almost that season onwards or a point of that season he was just so much more interesting and opinionated and he, he became like one of the, the kind of big speakers of the Premier League, someone who you, you wanted to, to seek a view on on, on the big on the big talking points. Gone not, of the that days. We, not that we miss him. <laughs> Gone <laughs> of the days. Oh, incredible. Look, it's been great fun today. I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who, who sent in questions. We'll do another one of these episodes, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. Um, and maybe we'll just like try and feature as, as many as we can kind of while we're, we're rattling through the pods. Um, next up, I mean, we've got a pretty heavy week, haven't we? Game is Wickham, but then it's, it's Liverpool next in the league. Doesn't bear, like, a bit of advice to Spurs fans. Don't do that thing where you look at the league and think, oh, well, if we win our next game, we're all good. <laughs> and also don't do that thing where you go, oh, my God, who's our next game? What if we lose that? <laughs> Shit. So uh, just enjoy it while, just for now. Like, let's just enjoy the FA Cup and all just have a good chill. Thank you so much to, to Shawnee, to Jude, to Hunter, to Dan. Make sure that you follow everyone on social. Some great chat on, on Twitter. Um, and we will see you all post a 5-0 win over Wickham. What a feeling, what a When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.